0: Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at Current.Tech. Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad. Because with Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, Open your account in minutes at Chime.com slash Goals24. That's Chime.com slash Goals24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A., members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash Disclosures for details. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo! You should've been pulled in the for they have faith in you. You should have been pulled in the fit that they had faith in you and you It's time for another edition of the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Baseball Fantasy Podcast. It's episode 23. On today's show, your hosts, Christopher Deary and Michael Govier, talk baseball and break down the Chicago Cubs with the host of the Cup of Cubby Blue podcast from BleedCubbyBlue.com, Sarah Sanchez and Andy Cruz. Take it away, man.
1: welcome back we are here it's the handsome rico palazzo baseball podcast two l's two z's on twitter palazzo podcast email the show palazzo podcast at protonmail.com as always my partner is here with me mr deary how's it going what's good mikey well what's good is we have two excellent guests on the show today we're very excited to have them on ladies and gentlemen from a Cup of Cubby Blue and SB Nation, can I give it up for Sarah and Andy? Sarah, how are you doing?
2: Hey, thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Very excited to be here.
1: So uh, first, let's get into how people can connect with you, because I love getting that at the start of the show. I don't want to wait on that, because you guys' podcast is real solid, and I want people to know who you are. So Sarah Sanchez, why don't you get it started?
3: Yeah, so we are the Cup of Cubby Blue podcast. We are generally a series-by-series look at everything that's going on with the Cubs, so we let you know what happened in the last series, what's coming up in the next one. However, there is no baseball right now. So like everybody else in the baseball world, we're a weekly deal at the moment as we sort of speculate on when and if baseball will ever come back.
2: It's... It's been tough. It's been tough lately, but yes, we, we, and we've still had some good guests on we definitely have conversations, um, you know, regarding what's been talked about recently in baseball because it seems to be ever changing whether or not it's coming back and you know, who's going to give in first, that sort of thing. So yeah, it's definitely, it's been a challenge, but we're still around and we're still uh, still putting out some, some podcasts as much as we can.
3: I mean, I just have to ask you all, like my baseball confidence meter is at an all time low. It's like, I think there's like a 3% chance there's going to be a season. And I'm super angry at MLB and the owners for it. So I I don't know. Am I the only one? Like, can y'all make me feel better?
4: (laughs) We recorded a pod, I don't know, maybe three, four weeks ago. And Mike probably felt like I was just going to completely quit the Palazzo podcast uh, because I was just so dejected and so just upset. I mean, baseball's my life. I love the sport of baseball. And, you know, similar to a lot of other podcasts, we just started it this year. So we were super excited to know be popping it off and talking about baseball you know getting into you know 50 60 games now and you know we're not we're not there right now so uh you know i'm right on board with you sarah i'm pretty upset at the owners and you know manfred looks like a total jackass right
1: now so
2: (sighs) oh we can
3: swear
2: on this podcast oh yeah this is (laughs) total freedom That, that we you guys should not have told us that because we both have wanted to swear so many times over the past couple of months it's not even funny
1: <laughs> bring it bring it come on let's hear it yeah uh, yeah I, i'm sorry i'm bummed I, if i was in the stock market i would have i would have lost money because i kind of stayed in long and i was really believing and uh, after monday-ish sunday-ish yeah it kind of fell out for me that, that was, was
2: me I, too I was going to say on our podcast last week, I basically doubled down and I was like, nope, it'll be a week and we'll have something and blah, blah, blah. And Sarah's like, Andy, come on, this, it's not happening. I'm like, no, no, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. After this week, I'm like, oh God, what have I done? Like, this is never going to happen. No, I'm so sorry, Sarah. That's my fault.
3: It was six days ago that the commissioner of major league baseball got on ESPN and told Carl Ravitch there was a hundred percent chance there was going to be a season. (laughs) And then yesterday he's on ESPN. Like, no, I am the only leader of a major sports organization that cannot commit to my teams being back on the field in 2020. It is an embarrassment and a joke and I'm so ready to set it all on fire. If I didn't love it so much, I would be done.
1: I completely agree with you. I think, we are in a really dark spot here, a sad place. It's very obvious, and it's kind of tough to deal with, frankly. But there are bigger issues, too. Uh, we're going to talk more about the proposal and what's going on with the negotiations. Uh, I wanted to get some opinions from you guys because, you know, here at the show, we support Black Lives Matter, and that means something to us. And we did the podcast Blackout a couple of weeks ago. We were very proud of ourselves just for doing a small part. It's not about us, but we're here to help. And I just wanted to know how you guys see – if you could incorporate it too, baseball, because I listened to your pod last week and you did talk about the diversity issue and the lack of response from certain teams, but I want other people to know how you feel about the George Floyd kind of revolution we're in and how it connects to baseball and society as a whole.
2: Are you going to let me jump on this, Sarah? So basically, like, I, for us, we also feel very strongly about um, the movement that's happening, things that are happening. I mean, we've both had a similar feeling about this way before any of this even started. This is something that we both feel strongly about being women of color. We obviously, um, you know, I can't say that we know exactly what our Black friends are going through, but we definitely have experienced some in our own lives. So um, we definitely it's been it's been a conversation on our podcast a couple of times and obviously when George Floyd happened and it just, you know, it kind of feels different this time. There's a lot more people speaking up that never had much to say. Um, not that the, they're saying the right things, you know, like more talking about professional baseball teams are not necessarily saying the right things, but they're definitely taking it upon themselves to say something. Um you know, and I, just as, as kind of a, a bit of pride, being a Cubs fan, I watched a really amazing video today with Gary Matthews Sr. and uh, Jason mm-hmm. Hickward and our friend, um, Michael Bowling, And it was amazing. They talked about what they're doing in the city of Chicago right now to um, try and bring awareness and, and bring togetherness because obviously, you know, police are not loved right now by, by the general public just because of a couple bad ones there, Jason Hayward was talking about some of the things that the Cubs are doing and other athletes, other professional athletes in Chicago are doing to bring, um, the youth of Chicago and some of the police force together, which I thought was, was very cool and a very good interview. If you guys happen to be interested in looking at that, that's on the Chicago Cubs YouTube channel. And again, our friend, Michael Bowling was the host of that. That was amazing. But I just, I think it's really important that, um, You know, you can't always know the right things to say or the right things to do. And it's a learning process for so many people. But just being an ally, being a support system, I think that's very important to Sarah and I. I don't want to speak too much for Sarah, but that's very important to Sarah and I to make sure that people understand where we fall on the issue and that it's definitely something we feel strongly about.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'll just build on that. Black Lives Matter 100% definitively. This is a problem that we need to work on. But the thing that has been really resonating for me, and I wrote this, I don't even remember when I was, I've been writing a diary of a life without baseball. And so as a result, I've written about all sorts of things I never thought I would write about on a baseball site. Um, but you know, one of the things that was really interesting, the Chicago Cubs, who are not exactly known for being the most progressive team on the planet. I mean, you can look up the Rickets and their political history all on your own. You don't need me to do that for you. Um, they did have a couple of moments that I thought were really great. I think it's awesome that they're leaning into Jason Hayward's work. He's great. When they changed the marquee over to say end racism, and that's it. Like no, no advertising, no cycling, no nothing. Just like the marquee at Wrigley Field for a week said end racism for the entire week, except for the day where it said in remembrance of George Floyd. And I thought that was a a compelling statement. I don't think it was enough. I think the Cubs have a lot more to do. Andy and I are actually both signatories on an open letter to the Rickets and the Chicago Cubs, asking what else they're going to do. We feel like they committed to taking some specific steps in this statement that they made a couple weeks ago, and we would like to know what those are. Um, not just like signing over the marquee on occasion, but like, what are you doing? Um, but it was nice to see them use that platform, that historical space for something good. And I think all of us just need to do what we can right now. And most importantly for me, I don't know what my black friends are going through. And so it's just really important to me to listen. Just like when I talk about some of the things that I've seen my dad or brother deal with over time, I it's those are hard for me to talk about. I don't share them with everybody. And it's important to me that we listen to people right now and we listen to what people are telling us and we do what we can to fix what is an obviously bad situation. And MLB needs to do the same thing.
1: That's well stated. Thank you, ladies. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, we're here to support. We will always continue to do that. We remind people to check out Police Brutality Reforms. Uh, we've been pushing the 8Can'tWait.org and uh, org is a couple of websites just to get your, uh, if you have no clue where to start. I've also had a pinned tweet on my uh, Twitter page about a book that's free to download about police reform. So check it out. Uh, MJ Govier is my Twitter handle. And uh, just wanted to, you know, we don't want to just uh, forget about it. It's a part of our, it's it's what's going on. It's always going to be a part of our life. We're still going to talk baseball. We can still have fun. We'll still have some laughs, but we're never going to dismiss or kind of just like ignore it. We think we can incorporate everything at one time. So that's great. Well,
3: and as a former social studies teacher, I taught for seven years. These How are. Did I? these are historical moments, like these are the moments that people in 20 and 30 and 40 years will look back on and they will read about and they will wonder what you did. And if you have young people in your life and you're wondering, in 40 years, what am I going to tell them that I did in the year 2020? You're doing it right now, whatever you're doing, whether you're marching, whether you're talking to people, whether you're putting your voice out there where you can, this is what you're doing. So I think people should remember that and wonder, and they should do what they'll be proud to have done in 20 years.
1: Yeah, we could do a whole podcast about social studies teaching. I taught uh, for five years as a high school and middle school social studies teacher, but that would be, it would be highly entertaining, but it would also be a lot of curse words because I'd have to get some venting out. Uh, Just saying. So, Um, but anyways, you know, that (laughs) that was such a weird time in my life and I'll never forget it. But let's get into leading (laughs) off. Now, we're talking, we talked about it briefly, the proposal, the current situation, the, maybe the mandated season. Seems like it's either going to be forced upon us or there'll be no season. Uh, Deary and I have talked about this in depth. Andy, do, is it no season? Do you think it's mandated? What's your bottom line? And do you care anymore? I, I'm sure you do care because you love baseball, but it's getting kind of difficult.
2: Well, I will say, and I put this tweet out there yesterday, and um, I've been feeling this way. I guess I just didn't really know how to like explain it, but I'm surprised at a life without baseball. I'm surprised that I can have a life, because who would have ever thought at this point of the year that we would have you know 2020 without baseball? And I guess I just don't remember far enough back to remember a life without baseball. So I'm just like, how, 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 what am I doing in the evenings? Like my Saturday afternoons, like, I don't understand. Like I have so much free time, hence why the tan. I mean, it's, it, it's crazy to me. And so I'm almost to the point now where it's like, I don't want to say I'd be okay because obviously I want baseball. I love baseball, but I mean, I've, I've survived this long, like, you know, what's another couple months? If you guys are, if this is what's going to happen, if I'm forced into this life, I, I think I can manage, you know, it's just, it's a very odd feeling. It's a very strange thing because so much of my life in the summertime is planned around baseball. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's sad and, and I hate it. And I really would love if they could just say, you know what, let's fight. July 10th, July 15th, whatever, let's go. That's fine. I will count the hours. You think I'm kidding? I will count the hours. I mean, I just, I, it it gives me chills to think about Javi Baez tweeting, you know, tell me, tell me when, tell me where, you know, like, come on, who doesn't want to see him turn a double play, make a crazy, ridiculous circus play at shortstop. Who doesn't want to see that? It just, to me, that's fine. If we're not going to do it, like I said, I'll survive, but Really, there is a part of me dying inside because it's just, it's like, it, it, it's not the life that I'm used to at this point of the year, and that sounds so dramatic, but it's true. I mean, you know, my a lot of my summer months, my friends, you know, I haven't seen any of my Chicago people for months. I, it revolves around baseball, and here we are, you know, I miss my people. I miss my, my, my Cubs. I miss baseball, you know? So it's different. I'll survive, but I, I, I hate it. I hate it.
1: You poor woman. Gosh. I
2: know. It's so sad.
4: Yeah, Andy, I, w- I would second that because I don't know what a summer looks like without baseball. I mean, Mike and I, we're Palazzo Podcast. We're a strictly kind of fantasy baseball podcast. And, you know, we've been talking about how if there's 50, 60 games, I don't even know if I want to play fantasy. But I I am thirsty for, for, for baseball. I'm, I'm thirsty to come home from work and, you know, watch our lonely Tigers and be terrible. <laughs> but I get excited for that 10 o'clock game at night, you know, Watching the Cubbies and, you know, the, those National League teams are super exciting for me. I'm getting upset because I, I paid for my MLB TV package, you know, back in February. I, I don't have a refund coming or anything like that. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thirsty for baseball. And at this point, I'll take anything. And, you know, you talked about how Bias said, tell me when and where. Tons of players came out mm-hmm. today were kind of tweeting the same thing. Scherzer said the same thing. I think Garrett Cole came out and said, hey, anytime, anywhere, just let me know when and we're ready to roll.
2: I mean, there was there was tons of them, but Javi has my heart. That's my dude. So, as soon as I saw him post that, I was like, my backyard, Javi, tomorrow. Like, are you busy? I will get you here. I don't care. I, oh, gosh. I just want to see them play. But, you know, like I said, I'll survive if it doesn't happen. It's just a, a huge bummer for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. it's. I mean, Sarah, do you have anything else to add? I mean, you kind of made your opinion known earlier, but –
2: <laughs> you, we're with I, you. I, I, we're with
1: you.
3: I jumped the gun a little bit. I have a tendency to do that. Oh um, no, it's great. <laughs> no, you know, the only thing I'll add is this. I want to see as much baseball as possible, but I want the players to get what they deserve and I want the union to be strong when it comes out of this. Because I'm just looking ahead to those negotiations for the 2021 CBA. Mm. And what I see right now is a train wreck because you have an owner's group and a players group that are so misaligned and frankly have so little trust between the two of them that I just don't know how you can even come to an agreement about what baseball should look like after 2021. We don't know if the coronavirus is still going to be a problem for the 2021 season. We could be looking at an extended outage here that is beyond anything anybody has ever seen. And I I saw this tweet today. I have not fact-checked it, so I'm just going to relay it and hope the person who tweeted it was right. But apparently, (laughs) the length of time between Cubs games, like 295 days that it's been, since the Cubs last played baseball is the longest break in the history of Cubs games since 1876, with the exception of wars. So like we're currently in a period of so little baseball, (laughs) (laughs) the only other thing (laughs) that has stopped baseball for similar amounts of time is literal wars. And I'm not okay with it.
1: Uh, I don't know how you could be. I mean, I think we're all pretty much on the same page. We're pretty pro player, right? I mean,
3: Oh, yeah.
1: Team yeah. players. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have a small part to play in this, but it, that's kind of nitpicking. I mean, in the end, of the, the owners have an asset that is worth literally billions of dollars, all of them. And if they had to miss out on some attendance figures or anything, concessions, they could loan – they could get loaned a billion dollars. They could if somebody wanted to give them that credit line because they have that asset in their back pocket. Players don't have that. It's just – People don't look at it like that. They see immediately what's in front of them and they're like, oh, this isn't good or that's not good. Players make a lot of money. Why are they complaining? You know, they don't. sometimes people don't dig into the facts or what the dynamics of the situation are. And, and I really hope that even if it's forced upon us, this 50-game season will be enjoyable.
3: Well, I don't remember who had exactly said this either, but the owners told on themselves on this last week when they said that deferred salaries wouldn't be a problem because they could get lines of credit for deferred salaries, like for the salaries, super easily. This is not a monetary thing. This is a, the owners want to suffocate the players union so that they are in a stronger position to bargain in 2021. And they feel like they have to set the table for themselves to like win some sort of game that they're going to play later. And what they don't realize is that this time right now, if they are the only sports league that does not play in 2020, they're taking that billion dollar asset they have and they are lighting it on fire. Because that the fans are not going to stand for an extended outage when other sports are going up.
4: I, I think I think Tony Clark has outplayed Manfred. I think Manfred has looked like a total, like I said earlier, jackass. And, you know, baseball's in a really interesting spot because, you know, I remember the 94 strike, and it took several years for baseball to come back. And baseball's not – it doesn't have the following that it had 15, 20, 25 years ago. I, you know, NBA has kind of taken over that from them. You know, I work with kids, and very few kids talk about, you know, Mike Trout, Javi Baez – you know, some of the superstars of the game, they're all about the NBA and MLB had the chance to be the only game in town. And, you know, they're really screwing this up right now. And it's, it's really frustrating to see. And, you know, Sarah talked about the CBA in 2021. And if they can't figure out stuff right now, 2021 is going to look like a disaster.
2: Like I, I was just talking to my boss, he's a huge uh, fantasy baseball player, and he his fear is, and people don't think about it this way, because we don't really want to, we're thinking about the here and now, but with that CBA coming up, and with what's going on right now, potentially we're looking at no baseball for like three years. I mean, let's be honest, if the CBA goes the wrong way, if this does not work out in anybody's favor, and there's no, no leeway given either way, I mean, it, it's it's a very real possibility if you think about it.
1: Yeah, that's a real issue. There's no argument here. We are in the nightmare of negotiations.
4: Andy, Andy, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard.
2: I know. I'm so sorry. Indeed, I realized so as weird. I was saying that, I'm like, I am the silver lining girl. What am I doing? I'm so sorry. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we got a player in Mike Trout that might be the best player, you know, in several generations, and he could lose several years to this. That's just, that's depressing to
2: me. Well, think how we feel too. I mean, our, we're already, you know, in talks of our window closing. Think of where our window will be then you know
4: actually it'd be great for the tigers because we're in a rebuild Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, unfortunately if there's no baseball none of these guys are going to be able to develop i mean i was going to say you'd have
2: no live baseball yeah that that definitely puts a kink in that plan too
4: uh, yeah gotcha
2: well guys
1: i want to remind everybody where you can find these two fine podcasting analysts they're on the website first bleedcubbyblue.com and then the podcast is called Cup of Cubby Blue. Where, uh, who came up with that name, by the way? Was that a co-effort on your parts or?
3: Yeah, it was. We were thinking about it like your daily cup of coffee. Like your Well, originally we were thinking about it like, you know, your periodic dose of baseball news. Yeah. Um, but we kind of like the cup O thing if, when you're making a Twitter handle with the like apostrophe or whatever is weird. So we were like, that's weird. We can't ask people to do that. Nobody will ever find our Twitter handle. Uh, so we changed it to cuppa, because we thought that was sort of cute, you know, like cup of coffee, cup of tea. And then Andy was like, couple of cuties, cuppa, it's good. And so we just, yeah, we did that. Was
2: I, did I say that? You, you definitely said that. <laughs> I, I did not say
3: that.
1: I didn't, I didn't cover Listen, Well, we don't video, video so
2: I can claim to be whatever I want, so. Hey! <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, Andy, I didn't ask you before the show. How do you say your last name? Is it Vanacek or?
2: Vanacek. So that's my married name. <laughs> ah. My married, my, my maiden name is Cruz, which is Andy Cruz is much easier, but that just, that wasn't going to fly with my husband. So we just go Andy Cruz, a and just leave it be.
3: I mean oh. and she's already married to a Cardinals fan so she has to keep like the friction down as much as possible cuz they're going to fight on all things. You're going to make me
2: you're going to make me chug here. Why are we throwing me <laughs> under the bus right now? <laughs> Sold uh,
4: you're married to a rival. I'm married to a Yankee fan but at least they're in another division.
2: <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Cubs Cardinals, that's like as close as it gets for a baseball rivalry. Um
2: well he, here's the way I look at it too. My professional job, my by day job, my company gets very good Cardinal seats. So I always make sure I snag the, the Cubs one. So I have really good Cubs seats here in St. Louis. So that's the way I, I look at it. Uh
1: Deary Deary's been to that stadium. Wasn't it the hottest game you ever attended? Fourth of July
3: yep. <laughs> two
4: thousand twelve. Uh, yeah, I was there. Um, tailgating, ended up out there in left field. Yeah. It was scorching hot. Um, great park though. I enjoyed it. We
2: I was, gonna been, say, I I was really- not there. I was pregnant with my third child and I guarantee I was not there that day.
4: <laughs> we we've been to Wrigley, but I've never, we've never been to Wrigley for a baseball game. Uh, so yeah. that's, that's something that definitely needs to happen. I've, I've been to plenty of parks, but Wrigley for, for a baseball game has never happened.
1: Okay. Yeah. We're in Detroit. It's so close.
3: So, open invitation when you all get here, you got to come to Wrigley. I will show you around. I'll take you to all the haunts. We'll hit up the people at Nisei. We'll head over to the G Man. I'll show you where the good beer is. And Andy will come up from St. Louis and stay with me so that we can
2: all enjoy I mean, the magic of my, Wrigley Field. Right. Twist my arm because yeah, it's so hard to get me up there.
1: <laughs> I'm getting emotional. This is like, I'm, I'm excited because just to like connect with people in real life, this sounds so fantastical. And, I would love that. This is on record and being recorded. So if you ever do that, I guarantee you, we will take advantage of that. Cause we, we saw Pearl Jam there in 2016, but like you said, we haven't seen a game yet. So we would love that experience.
3: Well, so when baseball comes back in 2030 or whatever, <laughs> yeah. we'll all be like 10 years older but we can hang out at Wrigley Field. No, no. That's
1: right. Hey, 10 years wiser, right? Cause we're getting wiser every year. I know that. <laughs> so, by the way, I want to recommend that you go to Cup of Cubby Blue on Twitter. That's C U P P A C U B B I E Blue. And then the individual Twitter handles for Sarah Sanchez are at capitalized BCB underscore Sarah, S A S-A-R-A, R A, BCB underscore Sarah. And then for Andy, it's Briz underscore Blue, B R Y Z underscore B L U E, at B R Y Z underscore B L U All right, let's get into some fantasy talk here. Let's talk a breakdown of the changes for the players on the Cubs when it comes to the regime change, if you will, for the manager position. David Ross is in, Joe Madden's on the West Coast, chilling. Sarah, how do you see any of the style changes affecting players? Now, if let's focus on a 50-game season because I think that's our best bet if we get one. Do you see David Ross maybe getting more out of this team, less out of this team, certain players get advantages? What do you think?
3: Well, I think David Ross is going to get a lot more out of this team, and, and that's not a slight on Joe. I will be forever grateful to Joe Madden for the 2016 season. I mean, this team arrived in 2015, and nobody expected that. The Cubs were not supposed to compete in 2015, and they made it to the NLCS. They had multiple NLCS appearances under Joe Madden, and obviously won the 2016 World Series. So nothing I'm about to say is a slight on Joe. But I think David Ross has a ton of credibility in that clubhouse. And he was sort of the enforcer in, during the Madden time, in, during 2015 and 2016. And so he's already built that rapport with the players that he needs to get the best out of them. The most interesting thing that I think is going to happen with David Ross at the helm is that Ross is already indicating he'll be more of a traditional guy with things like who bats lead off or predicting who's going to be your left fielder on a given day one of the things that was always hard during the Joe Madden era if you were drafting Cubs for your fantasy team is you didn't know who was going to be the leadoff hitter you couldn't predict who was going to get all those extra at bats you didn't know if he was going to have some wild platoon where Wilson Contreras was going to play left field for five games because reasons right like <laughs> and now you kind of know that that's not going to happen because David Ross is a little bit more traditional than Joe Madden in that respect
1: what about you, Andy?
2: Um, well, I definitely agree with all that. I think I have spoken quite a bit, not so much the play on the field, but mentally what he is going to provide for the players, I think is a whole different can of worms than what Joe offered and and, and brought to the table. And their approach is just so much different. I think you're going to see players respond to Dave Differently. I mean, I think it's it's not going to be – like you hear a lot of them joking around about, you know, they were buds, they were friends, they had a friendship, you know, grant Rossi, blah, blah, blah. But I think when it comes down to it and we start to see the demeanor on the field and in and, and the dugout and, and, you know, pregame and all that good stuff, I think you're going to see that they take this guy seriously and they know he means business. And while there is definitely going to be a fun aspect to the game, it's – this is, you know, this is your job. You're there to do a job, get it done this is what I expect from you you know that sort of thing and I I think the approach is going to be the biggest difference I mean there's different leaders there's people that you you kind of have to tool with to see where they fit as far as you know their roles in the clubhouse and their roles on the field you know there's just there's so much that we are anxious to see you know we haven't seen him manage a team spring training does not count because he had a mic on it was sitting on a folding chair next to the dugout like that does not count so (laughs) You know, it just, to me, that really saddens me because we're, we're losing that year that we so anticipated with David Ross.
3: Can I also point out that David Ross missed, like, the first 10 days of spring training with the flu? Like, I, <laughs> we all, like, remember that David Ross did not even manage this team for, like, the first week and a half of spring training with some mysterious flu that no one knew about in February. So Half I of the team. Half of the team JD, was sick he yeah. missed, a, missed a bunch of games, too. Like, the, the Cubs had this incredible run of flu during spring training.
2: Yep.
4: Sounds like coronavirus to me. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say.
1: Is there a corona conspiracy here? Like, I mean, it was getting close to that time. We don't have any proof, I suppose. Would we?
2: would we even know though would be there be any way to know i mean there there's uh, tons of people i know that were sick around that time of the year that you know do we even know what it was if it was
1: and the flu is a know. very real thing you're right, right the Flu right. destroys clubhouses it just tears through it so you're right but you know chris bryant has talked about being the leadoff hitter this year is that silly is this is this uh, something that's gonna be a benefit for the lineup or do you guys prefer him like sarah do you prefer him in the four three slot or batting second
3: now I, I think KB in the leadoff spot is going to be awesome, and I'm really excited oh. about it. So the only – for whatever reason, the only player on the Cubs who has demonstrated that he is not mentally affected by the leadoff spot is Anthony Rizzo, who is the greatest leadoff hitter of all time. Multiple leadoff home runs and, like, a ridiculous <laughs> average batting leadoff. But Anthony Rizzo cannot lead off forever. The greatest leadoff hitter of all time has to bat third in that lineup because that's where he slots in perfectly. Chris Bryant, on the other hand, has the highest on-base percentage on the team, And it's not really close. Like he doesn't strike out a lot. He is that guy. And it's not like he was bringing in a ton of RBIs in the two spot. Because in that two spot, if you ever had KB on your fantasy team in the last few years, you know this as well as I do. Nobody was getting on in the leadoff spot. So KB was sitting there in like August with like 70 RBIs. And it's like, how did this even happen? I think Chris Bryant in the leadoff spot, his on-base skills will be on point. He's still going to have the same amount of power. He is The thing that people forget about Chris Bryant is he is an above-average base runner. So he's really good at going from first to third on a single, on scoring from second on a play that's close. So I think you're going to see a lot of impact from KB in that spot in ways that you didn't necessarily anticipate. And I don't think it'll hurt his power numbers at all.
2: I was going to say, he's such a playmaker like that. You have those guys that on the base paths can make things happen. They force a defense into pressure situations. And that's, you know, a lot of times when you see a or you see a miscue and you know that leads to another base for somebody like Chris Bryant or Javi Baez or somebody like that that has great speed and and can read a play. And how many times even in spring training did we watch him go, you know, have a, a little soft liner to, to left center and he end up on second. And it was like he's already pushing things right now that just made me so excited for him in the leadoff because, you know, I, you're already setting the tone for the game. Like when we had a Dexter Fowler leading off, he set the tone every game. The second he would come up to bat, he was setting the tone. He was, you know, being patient at the plate, very selective on, on the pitches he was swinging at, you know, was a threat to steal maybe, but you know what I mean? It, it was, he was just a playmaker. He was somebody that got the, got the game going. And, and I see that happening very much so with, with a Chris Bryant leading off.
1: Yeah, I mean, Deary, do not we talk about how silly we thought it was to put him in leadoff, but then we kind of reanalyzed it, and I actually agree with Sarah. I think Rizzo is the master leadoff hitter, but I have no beef with him being in the heart of the order.
4: But, yeah, it's interesting, you know, within that lineup, Rizzo, Baez, Bryant, Schwarber, you know, those guys are all 3-4 hitters, and the Cubs just don't have that traditional leadoff, but Bryant is going to be your guy. You know, good OBP is going to get on base. I love how Sarah talked about his base running skills. Uh, you know you don't have a ton of speed on this team but you know talking about a guy who can go first to third get on base is is really huge I never knew that Rizzo had that amazing line you know in you know the leadoff spot I'm a huge huge Rizzo fan and you know it's funny in February we were doing our third base tiers and I shit all over Chris Bryant I talked about his (laughs) strike rate being terrible I ranked him as like the ninth best third baseman and uh, yeah I and it's funny because, you know, as, as time has gone on, and I've been looking over this Cubs team, especially today, you know, Bryant's going to be a free agent in 2022. And, you know, he's really going to be – I, I see him as the centerpiece of this of this team moving forward with Baez. And I think, like, you you got four or five guys that are in their prime you talked about it earlier, Sarah. That like the window is going to be closing soon, and they still have the opportunity over the next two, three years if they can get this pitching in order to really be a threat out there in the National League Central. So, uh, Brian's probably your guy there and in, uh, in the leadoff spot.
1: You guys, we're looking at the short season, right? So let's talk specifically about the short season impact here. What players will benefit? Are are, are we looking to have players that jump out to fast starts, streaky players, even players that? could burn you for a whole season or players that could also maybe make your season, Sarah.
3: This is not going to burn you. This is my favorite fantasy pick. He has been on my fantasy team for multiple years and no yell. This is not just because my brand is Wilson Contreras is my favorite. Wilson Contreras is my favorite. It is not close and he is perfect for this scenario. If you look at the numbers that Wilson Contreras put up to start the season in 2017, in 2018, he is on fire The reason that he has been the all-star starting catcher for the last two seasons is because the numbers he had when voting was going on in May and June were out of control. He's a catcher who is going to hit a ton of home runs for you. And he bats in the heart of that Cubs lineup. He is usually your fourth or fifth batter there. Like people forget about Wilson sometimes because they're focused on KB. They're focused on Javi Baez. They're focused on Anthony Rizzo. Kyle Schwarber hits longer home runs. Wilson Contreras is a legit cleanup hitter. And he's giving you that power from catcher. The only other catchers you can get who are even close are JT Realmuto and Gary Sanchez. And they cost a lot more. You have to draft those guys so much earlier than you can take Wilson Contreras. And I'm telling you, he is built for the short 50-game season because you're not going to have to worry about his hamstring getting hurt. He's going to come out with all of the intensity and fire that he does every single season And I think he's set up for some big things. Our BCB has been running, you know, like the Sim game series or whatever. Our Sim, Wilson Contreras, has 17 home runs right now. (laughs) That is out of control. He's like on pace for a 40 home run season. So.
1: Well, Nelly, how about that? Wilson, I was kind of big on him, but I kind of pushed off. I feel like he rotates good years, bad years. I also feel like he's getting drafted too high. That's one of my concerns in fantasy leagues. So I'd rather wait. But you make a compelling case, and this could be his year. I'm curious. About the starters and the starting pitching specifically, Andy, how can the Cubs benefit from their starting staff? It looks kind of like a train wreck to me, to be frank. No,
2: <laughs> out. Um, <Yes. laughs> yeah, I mean it's not it's not ideal. It's definitely aging. Um, you, Darvish, I'm looking forward to have a huge, huge year. Um, he is somebody that has really come into his own. Him and 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 our, our Kyle. You and Kyle, don't, don't lose sight of those two.
1: Okay. Sarah, what about you? You, you think you Darvish is a stud, but is there enough depth on this starting rotation?
3: So here's my thing about you Darvish. First off, best Twitter follow in baseball. If you are not following you Darvish, you're doing it wrong. Yesterday, he told Rob Manfred to eat fried chicken until he died. (laughs) It's the greatest thing I've ever seen. And I want you Darvish on my team at all times. Second thing about you Darvish, you Darvish already has like 10 pitches. And when Craig Kimbrell joined the team last year he added a knuckle curve in a week he literally saw Craig Kimbrell throw it and he was like hey teach me that and then he did and a week later you Darvish had a knuckle curve which is insane and ridiculous and if he can just stay out of his head enough to strike guys out instead of walking them I see big things for you Darvish but the person on this staff that I'm really interested in particularly in a shortened season is John Lester because if you look at John Lester's starts his Aprils and Mays for the last few years they're crazy strong. We're talking like ERA 1.7, he's up there with Jacob DeGrom strong, and then he hits June and he kind of tails off a bit. And that's the aging thing, right? John Lester knows how to prepare for a season. John Lester knows how to pitch 10 starts as good as anybody in the game of baseball. And I have a hunch that if you give John Lester 10 or 12 starts over two months, he is going to come up big for you. And I think that might be true for some other aging pitchers like Cole Hamels and some other players as well. Cole Hamels is no longer a Cub. I know. I'm just saying he's another guy that I'd be looking at for that same reason.
1: Uh, Everything's chaos to me. So I kind of like this idea. Why not have Lester make a run? If he can give you a a quarter of a season, he could do that still. I I really don't like John Lester in a full season, but you've kind of talked me into it now a little bit. Um, I think the main concern here is, What about minor league players? Do they get a chance to jump in? Is there anybody that's in the minor? Like Nico Horner is obviously a guy who got some run last year. But are there going to be a a taxi squad, a practice squad, if you will? These guys can't just waste away for a whole year. They need reps.
3: The two players that I'm most interested in in the Cubs minor league system, particularly in a shortened season, who I thought we would see in September, but now we'll find out. Um, Miguel Amaya is an outstanding catcher. For the Cubs, he, by all, like last year when the rumors were that the Cubs might trade Wilson Contreras, which please don't do that. But (laughs) when those rumors happened, the reason those rumors existed is because people thought Miguel Amaya might be ready to step up into that role sooner. Um, So I'd be really interested to see what he can do. He's, He's outstanding behind the plate. I believe he's the second prospect in the Cubs system right now the other person I'm super interested in is Brennan Davis who the Cubs took with kind of a surprise early draft pick a couple years ago and he's had incredible numbers in the minor league system and one of those guys you could bring up as an impact bat who you would want to spend more time in the minors generally but in a shortened season where you're just trying to like get through 50 games and win I could see him coming up here and there.
1: Andy What about the disruption for these players, though? If they don't get the opportunity to have those daily reps in the minor leagues, are you talking about a Cubs minor league system that's including all minor league systems is going to be delayed in their development?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, this is such an issue for everybody. Um, particularly, I was pretty excited about our second round pick that we just had Burrell Car- Caraway. I cannot say his last name. And that name sounds made up if you ask me. Like, that <laughs> sounds like a 1920s player, does it not? Like, it's so it's so perfect. It is. So he was one of um, our draft picks that basically I've read quite a few talking heads say that he could very well be in the major league this year by the end of the year. Um His stuff is nasty. He's uh, a lefty, only six foot, but good stuff. And you just got to be very raw, very very raw. Um, And you got to be a little concerned about where that development goes if he gets no playing time in, in now this season, and he's not able to come up to the majors. Like, does that hurt his confidence? Like, what does that do for you know what he's already gotten, where he's gotten to thus far? You know, if he has the potential to get there, you definitely want to see him do that. You know, and if this season is shortened or doesn't happen, you know, you just kind of wonder what could have been if, you know, he doesn't get that opportunity. So, yeah, it definitely it definitely is going to take a toll on a lot of different players. But, you know, there's there's some guys in our minor leagues that I would love to see get called up at some point. And, you know, you just don't see it happening in a shortened season.
4: I, I think their lineup is set. I think their lineup is going to mash. They're in a really interesting division in a shortened season. I think the Reds have made a massive leap and maybe over 162 games. I think the, the Reds, it might take them a while to figure out, but they made some really great signings the offseason. I think they're going to be competitive in this division. Uh, the Brewers are so interesting because the Brewers go on these crazy late season runs, so we'll see how they start out. My concern is going to be that Cubs pitching staff um, – you know, I had some notes here about Lester, uh, but Sarah convinced me Lester. If, if you're giving him ten starts, maybe he can do what he needs to do. I mean, obviously that fastball will only sit at at ninety, but it's not going to matter if he can cut down on those uh, on those walks and cut down on uh, you know giving up a ton of home runs. I think you Darvish is an absolute stud. I think he's going to repeat his second half. I may just be saying that because he's one of my fantasy baseball pitching keepers. Uh, and uh. Kyle Hendricks, Kyle Hendricks, you know what you're getting from Kyle Hendricks. This guy's had five straight seasons where he's just super consistent and is Jose Quintana going to go back to what he was when he was with the White Sox he had three amazing seasons with the White Sox guys got excellent stuff four great pitches so I think that Cubs pitching staff has the opportunity to be solid it's going to be a lot on their bullpen uh but you know going back to Horner I think Horner has a chance to help this team out you know it 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 seems like they're going to be playing a lot of games in a in in kind of a lot of day and not as many days. So he's going to be have the opportunity to come in and, and help this team out a ton. So I think the lineup does not have too many problems. I think Steven Sousa is was a really really sneaky signing for him for them. He's a guy who I saw a couple of years ago who I thought was going to end up being a really really solid player, and then injuries really killed him. So I think him moving over to Chicago could kind of be a rebirth of his career, and he could platoon in that outfield, especially if Jason Hayward is, is not going to be what he was a few years ago. So uh, uh, I, I think they got some guys that you can plug in and, and help out. And I'm really interested to see Nico Horner. I'm upset that he's not going to get a full season because I think he's a guy that would certainly benefit from that. But maybe the shortened season is good for him. If he has a chance to get some at-bats and get some starts early for this team that might platoon a few guys, maybe he comes out hot and really is a productive guy for the Cubbies.
3: And I add one name to the list that you didn't mention who I think fantasy players should keep an eye on. Ian Happ is so underrated. And I understand that he struck out like 40% of the time when he got called up a little too early a few years ago. He is a switch hitter with power who is frankly as good or maybe slightly better of a center fielder than Albert Almora Jr. And Ian Happ, if you look at what he did when he came up last year in August, absolutely mashed the baseball. He pulled his strikeout rate down about 15 percent and he was just crushing home runs and that was not just the 2019 ball Ian Happ hit the longest home run for the Cubs last year so if I'm looking for somebody who's going to play center field and somebody who can also give you some reps at second base which I think is kind of a weak position overall Ian Happ is that guy.
4: Ian Happ was a hot name two years ago in fantasy and I think people kind of jumped on board a little too early but like you said Sarah he's super super talented and he cut down the 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 strikeout rate and if he can fly the ball outside of the park like the way you said he did last year having the longest home run for the Cubs he's gonna be a huge asset for them.
1: yeah Ian Happ is a special player 240th uh, ADP right now he's gonna be a steal and he's gonna give great value no matter how long or short the season is bottom line I want to know from each one of you do you like the Cubs to win the division in a short 50 game season are you afraid of the Reds are the Brewers you're the rival? Are the Cardinals the true threat as they always are? Andy, what do you think will happen?
2: I think the shortened season definitely benefits the Cubs out of this division. Uh, the Reds—it's going to take them a minute to get their stuff together because there is such an overhaul there on who they've signed and who they've brought in. Um, the Cardinals, psh, whatever. Shortened season—that's <laughs> that's our that's our our cup of tea. They they need a whole season to to do what they do. So. Um, and, you know, honestly, in a shortened season, again, I'm not worried about the Brewers because they take a while to get going, too, to really figure out um, their rotation and um, and definitely their bullpen, too. So, yeah, I think a shortened season definitely benefits us and probably more so why I'm pulling for any amount of season over no season.
3: I think a shortened season benefits the Cubs. I, I mean, obviously, we're a little bit biased here, but I – think that the thing that was the hardest, the weakest part of the Cubs last year was not their starting pitching. It was actually their bullpen. And the bullpen has had a fundamental overhaul. And they did something that I think is really smart. So the bullpen was kind of pricey before. And Theo had paid a lot of money for some guys that had closing experience who were all up and down there. And now what you see is guys who have stuff. And I really like Rowan Wick. Rowan Wick throws 98. Rowan Wick has stuff. Right. Like I like these people who are in the bullpen right now who maybe you haven't heard their names, but it doesn't matter because they're just that guy with that one pick. Brad Week, the guy or Weck is that Weck and Weak at Wicks. I always like <laughs> Weck. I don't know. There's a lot of Wicks. Anyway, <laughs> this guy is like 6'8 and he's a lefty and his stuff is insane. And I just think that their bullpen really has taken, has gotten a massive upgrade and that will also help them. In the shortened season, I think the biggest threat is always the Cardinals just because the Cardinals have this devil bird magic thing going on that makes me nervous. But after that, probably the Reds.
1: Yeah, I like the Reds in this division, but it's I'm not even going to make a prediction because it's so unknown. Short season is going to be crazy. But don't forget, if you want to follow the season when it does happen and you want to know more about the Cubs or just good old-fashioned baseball knowledge in general, please follow Sarah and Andy yeah, Bleed, Cubby Blue, and at cuppa cubby blue c-u-p-p-a cubby blue what the hell's going on out there looks like a convention pretty soon they're going to call the (laughs) roll get your ass out there and check it out let's have a mound visit this is a new segment we're trying because i believe that mental health is a very important part of the player dynamic that we don't discuss enough we talk data and numbers and home runs and rbis and wins and strikeouts right? But what about player mental health? In just a general sense, I wonder how much stock each of you puts into it when you're considering, will a player bounce back? Is a player up to snuff? Because you can't really know, I guess. It's not like we have a direct line. Tweets are tweets, they're not always very personal. I wonder, Andy, how do you think mental health could be improved or does how it even in, how does it impact the game today?
2: So I'm rarely one that likes to point out the fact that we're females talking about baseball, because obviously we like that playing field to be level no matter the gender. But I think as females, we think a lot more emotionally about things. And I've always kind of dove into the mental health aspect of the game, because I think it's so fascinating that people forget that it's such a huge factor in the day to day in a baseball world. You know, I mean, everything everything from you know what happened last night when they went out after the game at dinner what a coach says to them you know when a catcher visits them on the mound what happens when they make an air if they swing at a pitch they knew they shouldn't have I mean everything it all it all comes into play and while it may not be as big as other things it's definitely a factor and I think right now with all the things going on and you know with COVID and with you know, all of the Black Lives Matter, that's such a big part of so many guys in this league. It's just, I think it's very, very overwhelming. And I think to have the game of baseball back would be just as big of a relief for those guys as it would be for us. You know, like Sarah always says all the time, baseball is our break. That's what we do to have a break from our everyday lives. That's what we do to have a break from the stresses of work, the stresses of whatever. And think for a second that these guys are so you know, they've been doing this their entire lives. This is what they do. This is what they've trained their bodies and their minds to do for years and years and years. And to not be able to do that, you have to wonder what's going on up there and and where they're at. I mean, you kind of have to think they're they're in their own little hell right now because all they want to do is play ball and yet they're stuck thinking about all these things happening all the time that, you know, normally they wouldn't have to. Their focus would be something completely different. So I think it's such an important aspect of the game and I love reading about it and and listening to people talk about it because I think it's just so fascinating. Um, there was one Cardinals player. Now I completely drawing a blank on his name. I can picture his face. Um, he was a pitcher, Ricky and Keel. Yes. He came and spoke to my company, um, here in St. Louis and he wrote a book that, you know, he had, um, the yips. Uh, yes. Thank you. The yips. He had the yips very bad. And so he wrote a book and came and spoke to us and the yips are, is a very real thing. And, um, thankfully you Darvish did not end up having the yips, but we were very afraid for a while that he did. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's such, it's such a real aspect of the game. And you see now there's so many more professionals titled mental skills coach or mental health coach, on these teams and because it's such an important part of the game and these guys bodies are trained to do one thing and their minds don't always agree with that. So, you know, it, it's, it's gotta be, it, it definitely has to be something that's addressed. And I, you know, I definitely appreciate that aspect of it.
1: Yeah. Sarah, I think a mound visit is a routine, right? Around it's a routine of the game. Hey, the guy needs a break. Hey, let's clear your head. Maybe, maybe you're uh, he's wound too tight. He needs a, he needs a quick break. Routines are a part of baseball. And now the routine has been flipped on its head. The script has been flipped. This is chaos now. Do you see the impact? And by the way, I I mentioned this, by the way, because I'm studying to be a mental health counselor. It's not about me. I'm just fascinated by the mental health side of the game. And that's why I bring this up. So I wonder how will the lack of a routine now impact these players, Sarah? Do you see an angle there?
3: You know, it's a fascinating question. And it's one that I've asked a bunch of different guests on our show. I think that Andy can attest, I asked Cole Wright this question, I asked Rachel Folden this question, I asked Pat Hughes this question, I asked Glenn Casper this question. I totally agree that the disruption to the routine of the game of baseball is a story here and I'm not sure where it goes. If, you're, if you listen to a pitcher like Lester talk about his routine, I mean, he knows exactly what he does on day one. He knows what he does on start day. He knows what he does on bullpen day. Like he has, he has a routine completely down. And that has been thrown out the window. So I'll, I'll tell you what I was told by people that, who are much smarter than me when I asked them this question. Every single one of them to a T, without exception said these are professionals and they will be ready to go when the day comes. But I think it'll be really interesting to see which players hit their stride really quickly and hit their groove early, and which players sort of struggle a bit, because that definitely happens, and I'm curious to see who does what.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with both of you. Mental health is something we need to learn how to quantify more, and I'm going to try to continue to talk about it on the pod, because we just don't know what's going on with some of these players, and it changes everything. And maybe we'll never be able to quantify it. Maybe there's no algorithm or something that could clearly define it, but I still will be fascinated by it. I do want to say that you guys' podcast is great, and I wanted to mention the Katie Day episode was really cool. i was surprised how much I ended up enjoying it. I'd never heard of her. I wasn't familiar with her singing. Katie Day is a singer, an artist. And uh, her song about baseball is cool because there's not a lot of new songs about baseball. You know, you got the old – Terry Cashman song from like 40 years ago, you know, baseball, you know, blah blah, 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 that song. And it's cool that she wrote that. And that's the kind of exposure for new experiences that I like about listening to podcasts. So thanks for that. That was cool.
3: Oh, well, thanks for listening. Having Katie on was awesome. And speaking of baseball songs, y'all mentioned Pearl Jam in 2016. I'm assuming they played all the way there, which hearing all the way at Wrigley Field must be like the greatest thing ever. <laughs>
1: That's Deary's territory. Take it away, Derek. <laughs>
4: yeah, they played it. They, played it. Um, they brought Ernie Banks up. They played it. And, uh, you know, amazingly enough, you know, Eddie talked about, uh, you know, 2016 maybe being a special year and it turned out it was. So,
1: Wow. Yeah, I had a great time. We sat, we were way back behind home plate and they were all the way out in center field, but it was still a wonderful experience. Just the whole, we stayed in Wrigleyville, you know, and we walked around and we went to different bars and we we soaked it up. It was basically like going to a baseball game, just no baseball.
2: It does not compare, sir. It does not compare. Wow,
1: <laughs> I feel like a, I feel like uh, I blew it. Um, you
2: feel like you should get to Chicago and watch a baseball game.
1: I totally want to do that. <laughs> of course, I
4: do. Mike, who are the Cubbies playing August twenty second? If there is a season, because uh, we both share, a, we actually both share a birthday and. Uh, In 16, we went there for our birthday to go see Pearl Jam, so it'd be amazing if the Cubbies were actually playing, like, the Tigers the 22nd, but I doubt that's happening this year.
3: Pretty sure the Cubs were supposed to play the AL East this year, and I'm betting that's not going to happen.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's not?
3: Interleague doesn't seem likely.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm just kidding. That's fine. They need to get rid of interleague. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so – we usually close the show with a uh, shine or ride the pine. This is basically a speed lightning round where I ask a series of yes or no's. I give you some numbers and you tell me if you are in or if you are out. Sarah and Andy, can you handle it? Let's
3: so shine, shine is in and ride the pine is out.
1: Yeah. it just rhymes and it probably makes no sense. I like it because it rhymes because <laughs> nobody wants to ride the pine, but if you're shined and then you're, you're probably a pretty good star. You're, you're killing it. I usually just say yes or no, so.
2: <laughs> I'm going to go with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you guys can say whatever you want. The point is, I'm <laughs> going to throw.
2: dangerous.
1: It is. It's going to be dangerous. Now, we're going to throw this on a 50-game projection, OK? You ready?
0: Sure. All right.
1: First. I'll go we'll go in order. We'll go Sarah and Andy, okay? So let's start. David Ross. Will he last two years or more as manager Sarah?
3: Oh, definitely shine. Theo loves him. If read the foreword that Theo wrote to David Ross's book teammate, if you wanna know how long David Ross is gonna last as Theo's
2: manager. Yeah, I'm definitely going higher. <laughs> definitely going higher. <laughs>
1: Eh, I'm not surprised. I thought I'd take a chance, though. (laughs) All right. How about Javi Baez? Will he hit 280 or better, Sarah?
3: I'm going to write the pine on that, but I think that his power numbers will make up for it. He's not really a hit for average type of guy.
2: Hmm. He's not, but in the shortened season, I can see it happening. So I'm going to go yes.
1: Wow. Okay. All right. I like it how about this anthony rizzo top three mvp finisher he'll finish in the top three of the mvp voting this season in a short season sarah
3: i'm gonna say no because i have called anthony rizzo in the top three of mvp voting for the last three years <laughs> from the heavy yeah. blue, blue intro and i have been wrong each year so i figure if i say no this year he will actually get it anthony rizzo is tremendously overlooked as an mvp candidate we do not appreciate him We're going to look back at his career and be like, whoa, this dude just hit like 30 home runs and gave you 100 RBIs and had a 400 on base percentage and a 300 average while playing platinum glove at first base for year after year after year. Why don't
2: we appreciate him? Beautiful. Listen, I, I'm still angry that he doesn't, he, he's not a starter for the All-Star team every year. Like, I, I still don't understand that. But um, top three in a shortened season, I'm going to go, yeah. I'm going to go, yeah. Hey! I, I, I Yeah, I like him in a shortened season. I like him a lot in a shortened season. And like I said, he's good friends with David Rossi. I like the chemistry there. I think good things are going to happen with those two.
4: Andy, oh, and if the All-Star game was played at the end of the year, Rizzo would be your starting first baseman.
2: Yeah. yeah. Mike and I
4: have issues with the all-star game and voting and the politics behind it. uh, So
2: it's annoying. It's annoying. I just wish it could be consistent. It's just, yeah, it bothers me.
1: Yeah. It rewards streaky players who get off to hot starts. It's not fair, but that's how it is. Baseball is just unfairness and baseball. Go hand in hand. It's just how it's always been. Unfortunately. How about Christopher Bryant? Will he have an OBP? If he's going to be leading off, this would be nice. An OBP of 400 or higher. Sarah, can he do it? Yeah, I
3: say shine. KB KB has an awesome eye at the plate. He's going to get a lot of opportunities to drive the ball. It's K, I think KB is going to take his walks, drive the ball, and he will have an OVP over 400.
1: He's only done it
4: once in his career.
1: Shortened season, though. That could be interesting. I mean, uh, God, there's so many unknowns.
2: I, well, and I like his how his approach has changed. I feel like his approach changed quite a bit at the end of last year, and he got a lot more selective. And you saw him really, you know, hitting hitting some balls hard that he, you know, his swing rate was just was low. And you saw it go up quite a bit at the end of the season. So I really like him for on-base percentage in that leadoff spot. I think we're going to see him go above that.
1: Ringing endorsement, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, next, how about Jose Quintana? Can he have a 3.90 ERA or lower, him?
3: Jose Quintana is so frustrating to me because when he is good, he is like ace level good and he'll strike out 16 guys and like look like he's gonna dominate everybody. And when he is bad, he cannot get out of the second inning. He's already given up 10 runs. It's Unbelievable! I don't know what happens there. I'm sure some t- in 15 years, somebody's going to write a book and we'll have some explanation for why Jose Quintana can only pitch half of the time. I'm saying right the pine. Jose Quintana is going to have a four-ish ERA again. And it's going to frustrate me that it was still a better trade than the Chris Archer deal. So the Cubs <laughs> did what they had to do there. <laughs>
2: So I'm going to say that one bad inning, which would be like a typical six or seven inning for Quintana, ruins that. So I'm going to say definitely ride the pine. <laughs> In a shortened yes. season, one bad inning will ruin that. So yeah, there's no way he's going below 3.9. That's
1: a great P- point. us
2: wrong, Q. Cue Q- P- <laughs> us wrong. We're that's, begging that's my, you. That's my Rizzo take for you, Sarah. <laughs> I've said he's going to be fantastic every year, and he fails me. So <laughs> one bad inning, Q. <laughs>
1: yeah, you're superstitious. It, it matters. <laughs> okay, how about this? Nico Horner. Will Nico Horner appear in 35 Major League Baseball games or more?
3: That's rough. I, I'm going to say no. Uh, I, but he should. The problem here is that the Cubs have a lot of depth at that second base position built up because they weren't sure if Nico was gonna be ready for spring training and now he's missed out on spring training and nobody really knows what he's gonna, what type of appearances he's gonna get beforehand. And so I honestly think they're probably gonna start off there with Jason Kipnis and David Bodie. And if Jason Kipnis and David Bodie struggle, Nico will get a shot. But I think that the problem is that he's just not gonna be able to get up to 35 games. I probably wouldn't draft Nico in a fantasy draft unless I knew there were some injury issues and some reasons he was gonna get some playing time. And I think Nico is great. I think Nico is gonna be a superstar. I love everything about Nico Horner, but in a fifty game season, I don't think Nico hits thirty-five.
2: Ooh. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say and the dreaded injury conversation obviously is one that you don't want to have. But if that happens, then you can definitely look for him to to make his way up into that rotation of that spot. But I just don't see anybody being a heavy hitter there right now. I mean, it's going to be a floating spot, basically. And I don't see Nico joining in on that quite yet, and especially not for 35 games in a shortened season.
3: I'll I'll be clear. I don't think any of them are going to get 35.
2: No, I don't think Jason
3: Kipnis gets 35 games. I don't think David Bode gets 35 games. And I don't think Nico Horner gets 35 games. I think that second base spot is going to be a rotation.
1: Fascinating. Yeah, I hadn't even considered that point. Good call. Yeah, the second base could just be a quagmire of platoons where there's guys playing 20, 25 games. You're right. Now I know where this one's gonna go. I feel like you, Darvish, can he get seven wins in fifty games? Sarah, can he get seven wins in fifty games? Absolutely. There it is. I knew that. The
3: the greatest (laughs) thing that you, Darvish, did last year that maybe your listeners don't know because they're not obsessed Cubs fans, you, Darvish, had a walkless streak of like that went like five games long. It was crazy. I was sitting at Wrigley Field just like counting the batters when I'm like, and he didn't walk another batter, and he didn't walk another batter. It was the most insane thing I've ever seen. When Yu Darvish hits his stride and is on, he is an ace. He is a Cy Young-level ace. He is as good as any pitcher on the planet. He is a Jacob deGrom. He is a Madison Bumgarner. He is your ace, right? And I just really think that Yu Darvish is going to have an awesome 50-game season with the Cubs and maybe show us a Cy Young award.
2: And and speaking of this, the, the how many innings he went without giving up a walk? It wasn't like he had four inning starts. Like he was going like seven innings. Like he was going deep and not giving up a walk. It was it was insane. He definitely can have more than seven wins. I mean, I would even go so far as to say he could win all ten.
1: Oh, there it is. Now the cubby. It's recorded. Is I know. It's
2: recorded. <laughs>
4: This, this guy had 49 walks in the first half. In the second half, which I think was around 80, 85 innings, he had seven walks.
1: Seven walks, guys. He so figured
3: it go. out. I don't know what happened, but he definitely figured something out in the second half of the season, and watching the second half of the season out of you, Darvish, in 2019 was just something to be bold. And look The That's man awesome. is out here, like, talking trash to Rob Manfred on Twitter. <laughs> he is definitely ready to go.
1: That's my guy. That's my boy. Go get him, you. He somehow
4: got rid of the yips. Uh, I don't know who they have as like, their mental fortitude coach down in there in Chicago, but he definitely did some uh, huge work with you in the second half. So I'm a massive youth fan. Uh,
3: the mental straight guy would be our favorite, John Baker, John Baker. the former backup catcher oh. who got the win and the walk-off run back in 2014 when the Cubs were terrible. So shout out to our friend John Baker. I
4: remember John Baker. Yeah
1: all right good job john baker good dude good dude that's awesome i love to hear stories like that by the way, Deary, what was the last time the Cubs had a Cy Young winner? Was it Arietta or did it was it Sutcliffe in like 84? I I can't remember the last Cubs pitcher to win a Cy Young. <laughs> did Arietta win it that year? I yes. don't know if he did it. Yes, he did. did he? 2015
3: yeah. Jake Arrieta. He was All right, I got it. Right. And that, can I just say, 2015 Jake Arietta was the best pitcher in the history of, like, that second half was best pitcher in the history of baseball. Jake Day was the greatest thing I'd ever seen.
1: He was unreal. He yeah, he left it. I think he almost literally left it all on the field that season because I'm pretty sure oh, downhill yeah. since then. <laughs> <laughs> he
3: had a calendar year between 2015 and 2016 where he had two no-hitters and he was just automatic. Uh, nice. And it's weird because it's not it wasn't a, an enclosed season, so we don't have a stat line that we can just point at and be like, wow,
4: but... I'd love to look and see if anybody has been better, you know, in the history of the game over like 40 starts. 40, 45, 50 starts. He was unreal.
1: Yeah, he really was good. I think he was a Baltimore Oriole originally, too, and it didn't work out. And I think a lot of people feel the same maybe about Dylan Bundy this season. Hopefully he moves out of Baltimore. Maybe he can finally be as good as Arietta was. We'll see. A uh, couple more here. Craig Kimbrell, 10 saves, Sarah. 10 saves?
3: Yeah, I'll say yes, Shine. Uh, I think Kimbrell, so I'm, I'm actually, my second favorite team is the Boston Red Sox. I lived there for six years and I got oh. to watch a lot of Boston baseball. Um, I don't think Kimbrel is the same pitcher he was two years ago in terms of his strength as a closer. I also think that he had problems last year that were not his fault. So, like, some of the games that Kimbrel gave up, some of those home runs that went out, those weren't mistakes. They were just, like, loose. Like, Yadier Molina hit a pitch that was at his eyes that nobody on the planet should be able to get a home run on, and he took it out of the ballpark you look at the swing and you're like this should not happen this should be a long fly ball or you should have missed it and yet it was a home run so there I think that the 2019 ball was not a friend to Craig Kimbrell I think the fact that he didn't have a full spring training was not a friend to Craig Kimbrell and I'm excited to see what he does with a lot more preparation and who knows what the ball is going to look like so I guess I shouldn't predict that (laughs) but I I think he can get 10 saves out of 50
2: Uh, Yeah, I'm definitely saying yes to that as well. And maybe not even, you know, have as much preparation as he needs this year, but at least be on the same playing field as everybody else. You know, I mean, everybody's having this delayed start. So at least he's in the same boat as everyone else. I think that definitely hurt him last year. And, um, you know, we said that a few times as it was happening before our very eyes. And I know a lot of people said, you know, people too many people are making excuses for him but it's a legitimate thing I mean you you definitely you know just like we were talking about the mentality of, of preparation and all that good stuff you definitely have to have that before you can be expected to play at your you know premium level so yeah I definitely think he can hit 10 saves and I think we're going to see a different Craig Kimbrel in the Cubs uniform this year
1: all right the optimism is flowing
4: yeah i think i think sarah hit the nail on the head there with saying like he pitched a third of the season like he didn't have time to prepare he waited out to where he was going to sign his home run fly ball rate was 36 percent last year but he, he pitched 20 innings so like how can you even ex- extrapolate that over a full season that would not happen uh i think he comes back maybe he's not going to come back and be what he was and in, you know, 2017 with the Red Sox or or 13 and 14, but I I think he's still solid enough. The fastball's still there. So I think 10 saves, uh, I'd be on board with the ladies on that one.
1: Kyle Schwarber, this is a little risky, but it could happen. Can he hit 16 home runs or more in 50 games?
2: 100% yes. Oh my gosh, yes, please. Wow.
3: My, My hot take for the 2020 season when it was supposed to be like a full 2020 season was that I was gonna predict Kyle Schwarber to hit 40 home runs. I didn't think it was gonna be particularly close. If you look at Kyle Schwarber's second half in 2019, he was on fire, out of control. He His ops went up about 200 points. He was mashing everything to all fields. And most importantly, he kind of lost that platoon bit, right? Like he was no longer platooning with people in left field. He was hitting lefties and righties Equally, which is what I've been waiting for from Kyle Schwarber forever. Uh, our friend at Cubs Insider, Evan Altman, wrote a piece last year that people should definitely check out. Kyle Schwarber is one of these players who has a better eye for the strike zone than the umpires, so i'll try to make this quick but last offseason a study came out from boston university where they looked at four million pitches and they looked at like which calls get blown and which calls don't get blown and why and without boring your listeners too much there are certain zones where umpires have blind spots where players can actually see the ball better than them and kyle schwarber sits in one of those zones where he gets called called strikes on him that should be balls way more often than other people And he kind of figured that out towards the second half last year. And it was incredible to watch. And Kyle Schwarber all of a sudden became exactly what people thought they were getting in 2015. I am so glad Theo never traded him. I think when Theo looks at Kyle Schwarber, he sees the next David Ortiz. And if y'all remember what David Ortiz looked like on the Twins before he became a Boston Red Sox, this is what I see in the future for Kyle Schwarber. So, Schwarbino, 40 home runs in a regular season, absolutely can mash 16 in a 50 game season. (laughs)
4: for being a little
1: bit you're not holding back wow that is some strong strong words i must say i I like it i like that you're putting yourself out there i respect that
2: i am i'm also a huge Schwarber supporter and i would definitely say he can hit that and then some i think his approach was so impressive towards the end of last year. You can definitely see where it shifted. And he was just, I mean, every ball was like a a beach ball to him. You know, it was just solid contact and he was so selective. And I mean, I think we even saw him walk a few more times than he typically walks. And it was was just very reassuring. And again, he's another one that has a great relationship with the new head coach. So this is also going to be another factor in some of these guys that I don't think we saw full potential up until this point that we're gonna see a different level to them, to their competitiveness because of who they're playing for. Not a slight on Joe, but definitely, a, a you know, a, an advantage to having somebody like David Ross at the helm. So yeah, I, I really like Schwarber and shortened season, you know, 40 home runs. Heck, I'd even say 45 in a full season.
4: <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so does Schwarber hit the most home runs on the Cubbies this year?
3: He never has. Um, he hasn't had the most, part of that has been injuries. Part of that has been that he hasn't had the at-bats that some of them have had. I think that last year, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to mess this up if I try to get into this, so I'm not going to call exactly who had it. I think it was either KB, Rizzo, and, and Baez have kind of traded off that spot the last few years. Um, he could. Kyle Schwarber has the most raw power on the team. The only other player that has power that's kind of similar is Javier Baez, Um, and that's all from his speed. If you look at Javi's, um, what's it called, like his scatter scatter chart of his home runs, Mm -hmm. you can see that he starts going apo in like 2018, and he never looks back, and all of a sudden his home runs are just all over the park. Uh, which is a little different from Schwarber. Schwarber's home runs still tend to be towards that right field. We actually call that um, big video board up there the Schwarboard, because his home run that he mashed in 2015 against the Cardinals is still up there under plexiglass.
1: Um, but it goes with everything. Schwarbino, Schwarboard. I love these <laughs> nicknames that are
4: being pulled out. I'm gonna start using them when I'm watching Cubs this soon. Where'd you get that from? Oh, you know, Sarah and Andy from the Cubby uh, Cubby podcast.
3: Well, if we had had baseball when y'all were following me on Twitter, you would see me like every time Kyle Schwarber hits a home run, I say Schwabino. That's like a th- that's like one of the things I do when I live tweet games. But I-, I really think he has the potential to lead the team in home runs. He has never had the number of at-bats and the amount of playing time to do it. And he still gets pulled in like the seventh or eighth inning defensively here and there. So he might not get the at-bats in a shortened season, but I would not bet against Kyle Schwarber, particularly if there's a DH, Kyle Schwarber is going to play all the time.
2: And Kyle Schwarber is going to mash a lot of baseballs and it's going to be awesome. I I was going to say, we definitely have a great problem there where we have like three or four guys that very easily could hit the most home runs on the team. And we're not even talking about Wilson Contreras, who also has the ability to do that. Um, But we definitely have a good problem there. So I wouldn't say that he hits the most on the Cubs, and that's more of a hopeful thought than um, just saying anything against Schwarber. But we just have so many bats. I'm going to subtract KB because in the leadoff, he's probably not going to hit as many. But, you know, like I said, we have three or four guys that easily could be in that top spot. So it's a great problem to have, and, you know, I'll let that one go, and we'll let them decide.
4: (laughs) You could put David Ross at the plate, and he'd have more home runs than anyone (laughs) on the Tigers. So you're (laughs) in weird. Oh,
1: wow. I uh, can't argue with that. Right. Two left. What? Can Ian have hit 12 home runs or more? Will he get the opportunity? He could definitely do it, but will he get the opportunity? 12 home runs, Sarah.
3: Yeah, I think he will, and I think he will get the opportunity. Um, I So this is kind of my hot take. I think that Ian Happ is going to get a chance to prove himself at center field and that Albert Almora Jr. is going to find himself in that like fourth outfielder position coming in late for defensive purposes. Mm-hmm. And, and that's unfortunate because I like Almora and I think he's a good player, but I, he just has not had the bat that he has needed to for like the last two seasons, really. I mean, he's really, really struggled at the plate. And as long as that's going to happen, you cannot just keep putting him out there day after day after day, even though I love the glove. I love the guy. I think he's an awesome player. I mean, he's, you know, he's a good base runner. He's a nice guy. I just don't know how anybody in their right mind writes the Cubs lineup right now and doesn't put Ian Happ in center field.
2: Yeah, I think he's definitely going to get the opportunity. And one thing that I really love about the two of them kind of platooning out at center field, and I think Ian Happ will get more opportunities this year, but I feel like defensively and offensively, they have really pushed each other the past couple years when it started off that way, with the two of them kind of dueling it out at center field. And um, you've seen Ian Happ's defense really step it up a notch too, and that's because he's watching web gems of Albert Almora, you know. so Web um, gems. I mean, he's he's pulled some stuff out of his butt. We're not going to lie. <laughs> there he's he's definitely got a good glove but I definitely see Ian Happ um, getting a lot more opportunity I think it's really it's it's going to be his time to shine he's really going to push it and he he's going to have you know in a shortened season yeah I easily easily he can hit quite a few home runs I say he, he gets the opportunity and does it
1: oh boy all right so I think this is the last one and this is most important if the Cubs are going to be successful can Kyle Hendricks have a 3.00 ERA or lower? Can he do it, Sarah?
3: Okay, Kyle Hendricks, <laughs> all he does is get guys out. And I know that he does it with like a fastball that tops out at 86 miles per hour. And every projection system hates him for this. Like when you look at his FIP and his X-FIP and stuff, it's like he should be so much worse. Mm-hmm. And yet he's not because he's a master of location and he is so so good at hitting his spots and he's just a student of the game. I think Kyle Hendricks is one of the least appreciated pitchers in baseball. Three ERA is right about where I would have him. So I, I can't definitively say that he's going to be under that. I think he only has one season where he was under that. Mm. Um, but I do Short think Ky- hmm? Kyle Hendricks just just wins ballgames. That's what he does. He comes out, he throws 81 pitches, complete game shutout. It's like, what do you... I When was, I think it was like the first 81 pitch Maddox in like 20 years for the Cubs or something ridiculous. It was insane. So I don't know. I think Kyle Hendricks is a great pitcher, whether he's at a three ERA or slightly above it. But I, I definitely think he's underrated by like every projection system and most of the general metrics that we use to evaluate
2: Okay, Deary, I have another nickname for you. He is called the Professor for a reason. This man is meticulous. He is insane. In, in a shortened season, you have to think about it from the batter's point of view as well as from his point of view. They're also not getting as many opportunities to see him in a shortened season. And some of the people that he did not, he was not so successful with on in some of his off games were teams that he had seen over and over and over again. You know, he was good against the Cardinals a couple games, and then had a couple not so great games against the Cardinals. So. Um, keeping that in mind, I definitely think he can get under 3.0 ERA. And I, I, I think he needs, and I've said this so many times, he needs to ha- be a solid Saigon contender one of these seasons. I mean, he is so overlooked and he's so under the radar. And, and one of these days, it, he's just going to pop and somebody's going to finally take notice and he's going to get the accolades he deserves because he is he's crazy good. and And yeah, he definitely, in a shortened season, I think he can definitely stand out.
1: Well, there you have it, <laughs> folks. The Cub experts have spoken. Yes, I'm calling you guys the experts, so just accept it. Cubs experts have said their piece, and that's pretty much our show. We are going to wrap it up. This has been the Hey, It's Rico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. It has been a real pleasure. I've enjoyed this pod. Uh, I didn't know I could have this much fun talking about the Cubs, but I, I don't hate <laughs> the Cubs. I don't have, like, a beef against the Cubs at all. They're actually they're pretty uh, – minor in terms of like my, oh, I can't stand that team. They're not the Astros or the Yankees or anything <laughs> like that. So this has been a real hoot and I would love for each of you to remind us where we can find you, what's going on, because people have got to get more of this information. Sarah?
3: Uh, yeah, you can find us at bleedcubbyblue.com and you can find everything about our podcast on our Twitter account at Cup Cubby Blue and you can find my writing and my general thoughts about life and baseball at pcb underscore Sarah.
2: And I am, I am at Briz, B-R-Y-Z, underscore blue, B-L-U-E.
1: Briz! Okay, well, thank you for joining us. Uh, this has been a real pleasure. Uh, we will see everybody next time on the a hey, Rico Plaza Baseball Podcast, two L's, two Z's. You can email us, podcast at protonmail.com. Let us know, did you enjoy the episode? Do you have a beef with what anybody said? We're ready to listen at all times. We'll see ya.
0: You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade, or at least grab an extra latte.